0: continue in Matthew chapter 10 and talk about some things that I think are important for some of you. This may be some review, but for others that are relatively new here, you've not heard our perspective on this. So Matthew chapter 10, verse 9, says this, do not get any gold or silver. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's about to send out the 12 disciples, two by two. We talked about this last week. He sent them out to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers. Uh, cast out devils and, and tell people that the kingdom is here. So we, we talked last week about healing and modeled healing for you. How you doing, Charlotte? Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Talk to Gordon. Gordon says his, hip, his hips are much better. Joanne, how are you doing? Any, any news? A lot better. A lot better we're going to continue to pray that God continues to heal, and uh, we, we trust him to do amazing things. Okay, back to Matthew chapter 10. He's, he's preparing to send out the 12, and this, these are some of his instructions to them. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts, no bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town. Shake the dust off your feet. Truly I tell you, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. And so here we see Jesus' instructions to his disciples when he sent them out. And of course he was sending them to every town and village that he was about to go to and visit. Now, what I want to do is I want to go to Luke chapter 10 and read a kind of a similar passage. We've, we've taught in this before as we've discussed prayer evangelism, and Luke chapter 10 is when he sent out the 72, and he gave them basically the same instructions, but there's something instructive that I want to pull from Luke chapter 10, just to review it again quickly, because we have talked about it in the past, but to encourage you in it, there's a place where I'm going. I want to talk about our prayer shield today a little bit. And again, invite anybody who is not a part of that to to participate in it. So let's look at Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 1. And it says this, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. That, that phrase, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Um, this is just a thought that just came into my head right now. Why would he say something like that? I think that the reason that he used that kind of terminology was he wanted them to go out with humility. With humility. With humility. He didn't want them to go out and be condemning or pompous. I mean, if, if you truly walked around and everybody that you prayed for got healed, what would happen to, what might happen to you in your attitude toward things? And you might get kind of a uh, little bit, you know? So he says, go out, be as innocent as doves, um, as, as wise as serpents and as doves. You're like, I'm sending you out um, like lambs among wolves. Just maintain that humility as you go out. Um, verse 5, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, you will, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages do not move around from house to house. I'm not encouraging you to go down the neighborhood and knock on a door and invite yourself to dinner. Um, the uh, I think the social the social mores were a little different back then. Um, it almost sounds like you just walk into town, look at some house, knock on the door, and say, "Hey, what are you having for dinner?" But actually, the Jews in Israel were encouraged to take in strangers, and uh, they were to actually to expect people to come to their house and to be prepared to give them. Uh, a meal. So that was not unusual in the way they were trained. Uh, when you enter a town, verse 8, when you enter a town, are welcomed, to eat what is offered. Heal the sick who are there. with intelligence. See, It doesn't say pray for them. It says heal the sick. <laughs> the kingdom of God has come near to you, but when you enter a town and are, and are not welcome to go into its streets and save in the dust of your town, we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Be sure of this. The kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable in that day for Sodom and for that town. Just one quick point about shake the dust off your feet. Heard a really good explanation for that. Why would he say shake the dust off? If they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. And the the best reason I got for that verse or explanation for that is don't get your nose out of joint if people reject you. Just let it go. In other words, shake the. don't let any of their residue stick to you. Don't let any of their rebellion or their rejecting of God affect you. Don't let it get hurt you. Just let it go. If you come to a place and speak peace and they receive your peace, let your peace rest with them. If they don't receive it, take it back, shake the dust off and move on. Still that whole attitude of humility. Okay, we're going to mention four things out of this passage. Uh, he, he mentions basically the same things in Matthew chapter 10. We're going to mention them here as well. The first thing that... that uh, Jesus encourages his disciples just to bless with peace, to speak a blessing of peace where you go. Um, that is to, to release the peace that you carry because of your relationship with the Lord. You're a carrier of his peace, and I'll explain a little bit what peace means. But he says release that peace uh, wherever you go, wherever village you go into, whatever home you approach, speak peace. The second thing is that if people are receptive, fellowship with them, get to know them. Okay. Now, the the purpose, the intention of the disciples going out is to prepare the way for Jesus to come, but it's also to prepare people's hearts to receive Jesus. And so we can really look at it as an evangelism model if we want to. And so the first thing that you're doing is you're speaking peace. The second thing is you're getting to know people, you're fellowshipping with them. You haven't talked about the Lord yet. You haven't shared the gospel with them yet. You're just speaking peace, speaking peace, speaking peace, and then you're fellowshipping. And as the Holy Spirit moves and the door opens up for them to begin to share with you, they may share a need that they have. And when they share a need, then comes the opportunity to pray for them. And just pray for that need and watch what God does. In other words, you're coming into a situation where you're speaking peace, you're blessing with peace, you're looking for opportunities to fellowship, to interact, to get to know somebody, Now, this can happen quickly, or it could take months or years, okay? It could take a long time, but it's up to the Holy Spirit to begin to open things up for you so that you can begin to fellowship. In this particular setting, it was fairly quickly because they went out, they traveled around. I don't know how many villages they went to, and then they came back. I don't know if it was a week or two weeks or how long it was, but this particular model is something that we can use and it can be a long-term kind of thing. We can pray for our family. We can pray for our neighborhoods, which I'll just mention in a little bit. So you pray. When you pray for them, and it's a, I'll tell you, it's amazing. We've seen this happen where we begin to bless people with peace. All of a sudden, people begin to share. I've hap- had it happen to me. People begin to share with me the needs that they have. I didn't ask. I didn't ask. I didn't ask people to start telling me things. But all of a sudden, they start telling me things about their lives, about their neighbors and all the things that are going on happened here in the neighborhood and actually had the opportunity to pray with the neighbor here before she had surgery and God did a miracle. She said to me, it's a miracle. So what you do is you, you speak peace, you wait for those opportunities to come, you pray for somebody and watch what God does. And when they recognize that it's God, then you have the opportunity to begin to tell them about the kingdom. And so it seems to be the way that Jesus taught. That's the prayer evangelism model, model, if you will. But it seems to be the thing that Jesus taught and showed his disciples to do when they went out. Okay? Let me talk about peace for a minute. The word peace in the Greek is irene. And it seems to be used basically in the same way that shalom was used in the Greek, in the Hebrew, in, in the Old Testament. And it means this. Technically, it means to join, to tie together into a whole. The, whole. the whole issue of, the whole issue, the complete issue of peace is wholeness, is completeness. So properly, wholeness, it, it, it means when all essential parts are joined together, it, that's peace, God's gift of wholeness. And then there are other definitions that come from uh, Greek dictionaries, peace, peace of mind, Invocation of peace is a common Jewish farewell uh, in the Hebraistic sense of health, welfare of an individual. So it has to do with health, wholeness, welfare, completeness of a person. Now let me ask you that as you look at your own life, would you say that your life is complete, whole? Do you have everything that you need? Many of us struggle financially, so in that area we don't have wholeness. Or maybe it's something psychological or something emotional, so there's not wholeness there Speaking a blessing of peace is what we're saying for someone is I want your life to be whole. Everything that God has designed for you and wants for you. So when I speak peace to someone, it's not my will that I'm trying to impose on them. It's what God wants for them. It is such it, it's a shortcut, but I don't want to I don't want to diminish it by saying that it's a shortcut. It's a powerful blessing. Matter of fact, I wish we would do it more than we do the opposite. We seem to speak negatively, and we seem to cut other people down rather than bless them with peace. Peace has that collective wholeness, completeness kind of a picture to it. Um, Shalom, the word shalom means completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, Fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. And shalom comes from the root word, verb shalom, meaning to be complete, perfect, and full. So you have those ideas of what peace is. Peace is really a huge, all encompassing word. And I don't, if you read through the New Testament, you'll see that over and over again it talks of peace, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The God of peace, the God of completeness, the God of wholeness, the God of welfare, the God of all those things, will soon crush the enemy under your feet. Paul, in many of his letters, begins the letter, grace and peace to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. He speaks those words, peace. And it wasn't just, you know, I used to read the Bible and think, well, they just use flowery words because that's the way they talk back then. But I've come to understand that there's no word, there's no phrase, there's nothing spoken in the Bible that doesn't have a powerful intent, purpose, and power behind it. And it's up to us to really discover what that is. And the word peace has that kind of a, uh, that kind of power. And so what we've encouraged folks to do is to begin to speak peace over your family, peace over your neighbors, peace... We've talked about Adopt a Street, where we've adopted streets, and I've adopted the neighborhood, (laughs) this triangular piece of territory between Route 78, Hamilton Boulevard, and Cedar Crest. I've adopted every street, and every day I mention those those streets by name, bless each one with peace, and look for, for God to give opportunities to pray for those people and wait for him to open up the doors. But we encourage people to do that. When you go to the store, when you go to work, do you bless the place where you work? Do you bless your home with peace? Do you bless any place you go? When you come up the driveway here and you come onto the property of New Beginnings Fellowship, do you speak a blessing of peace over this place? There's something that's released dynamically, spiritually, when we speak peace. I'll get into that in a minute, where that comes from. And so we need to speak peace. We need to open up the door For God to move and work and peace, speaking peace is His idea. It's not ours. It's not something that we came up with. It's His. Of course, peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit: love, joy, peace. One of the fruits that should flow from our from our lives. uh, we've instituted um, here a way for us to pray for one another, and we've encouraged folks here to pray for one another. And so we've adopted the prayer, we call it the prayer shield, where we've committed to pray for people on our list, in our segment, uh, and we've divided folks up who wanted to participate to pray for them every day, two times a day, You think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have enough time to do that. I bless the people on my list with peace two times a day. You know how long that takes? It doesn't take long. But you know this. I mention those folks in prayer and speak peace to them two, at least two times every day. Well, you know what? If we all do that, we have three, four, five, six people praying for us, six, that many people speaking peace over our lives every day, that's going to have an impact. So go to that slide, which is my first prayer shield and you won't be able to see this really well, but this is how we broke it up. We took our leadership, and we started at the top with them and then listed folks that we divided up into four groups. We'll, if we get some more, we'll divide into five. But this is my group, and so I pray for the folks under me, and I pray for everybody on our list. But then we divide it up so that as we go down, each person or each couple has three or four other people to pray for. They don't, you don't have the whole list. I do the whole list. And I pray for the other leaders as well. But you have three or four other people or couples to pray for. We just ask you to do that. So here's my list. There's Travis and Sarah's list. And then you can just see, you can just go. um, See, Rindy Lees prays for Will and Crystal and Kent and Artie. That's who she prays for. She prays for four people. And then Rindy has people praying for her as well. Now go to the next slide. Then I made a diagram, which just shows. Some people are visual, need a diagram, of who they're going to pray for, and other people need it spelled out for them. So we give it to you in two forms so that you know who's praying for whom. Um, so you can see that I, pr- I pray for Travis and Sarah and all their kids. That's Anna, Hope, Sophie, and Eve, the A-S-H-E. Gordon, Gill, Adam, Yusuyo, and this was before Don and Janice were on as deacons. And then it goes from there, Okay. So we pray for each other that way. So what I'm part of the reason that I'm going through this and, and talking about peace because we've done it before and talking about the prayer shield is that if you would like to be a part of the prayer shield and you haven't let us know yet, let us know and we will reorient our prayer shield and we will put you on the list and you can be a part of having not only people pray for you, but you pray for people. Now, here's something interesting in Luke chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, which is uh, the birth of Jesus. Did I put that up there? I, I forgot to put it, sorry. You have to open your Bibles. Oh, my gosh. Luke chapter 2, 13 and 14, it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Now, just imagine this, that there are there were shepherds out on the, the mountainside, and an angel appears to them and says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Savior is Christ the Lord. Okay, so here's some shepherds doing what shepherds have done for thousands of years. And no shepherd ever had this experience before. Here's a brand new experience in the universe. Never happened before. An angel appears to the shepherd. And gives him that declaration. And then all of a sudden, verse 13 is, and suddenly a great, oh, good. Travis, he's on the ball. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. All of a sudden, a great host, what's the great host? Everybody know what the great host is? Angel armies. Whenever the Bible talks about the host of heaven, Captain of the hosts, or Lord of hosts, or um, heavenly host, it's, it's really an army. And they say, "Glory to God, OK, here comes this message. Glory to God in the highest. Christ is born, the, the thing that heaven has been waiting for for ever. <laughs> Eternity past. Jesus, the Son of God, coming to Earth, being born. Here he comes. They're announcing it. An angel comes, appears to shepherds, and then this heavenly host appears. And what's their message? Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace. It's a much more important word than we realize. Much more important. Much more important. Peace. Peace. All right. Can you, uh, can you pull up another one for me? Uh, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. Can you do that for me? And we'll look at that. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to show you something, um, and maybe this will help you to, to uh, grasp this whole concept a little bit more and understand that the power that we have, the words that we speak are important. Blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God created everything. He spoke the word and everything was created. He created man. He said, Let's make man in our image. Okay? Now, when God makes something and when he made the earth and when he created man, Man was perfect. The world was perfect. It couldn't be any better, right? You agree with that? So my question is, why did he bless him then? If he already made everything perfectly, he made man perfectly, put him out, and then he said, then God, God, go to the next slide, blessed them and said to them, not only did he create man, but God spoke and blessed man. Gave him dominion over all the earth, okay? He spoke a blessing. Now, what did we read first in the verse? That we are made in God's image, right? So we're made in God's image. What did God do? He created and then he blessed. Guess what? We're supposed to bless. And when we bless, we are acting in the way that God created us to act to be those who speak blessing. Understand? He gave, see, and what we don't understand is the power that we have, the authority that we have, to speak blessing to affect the world around us. In Proverbs 28, 21, it says, The power of life and death are in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So I believe that when we speak, sometimes our words don't have a lot of um, moral value in one way or another. We're just talking. But there are times when we speak where we can have positive words or negative words. And I think that sometimes our words will empower angels or they'll empower demons. And so my question to you is, whose side are you on? And I know if I ask you that question, you'll say, wow, I'm on God's side. But how often do you live there? How How often do your words back that up? And how often do your words back up the enemy's kingdom? Are you speaking to destroy, to tear down, or are you speaking to build up and encourage and to bless? And that really becomes an issue for us. I really believe that, you know, when we talk about this speaking peace, I, can I tell you something? From my personal experience, I have to really work at being positive and speaking blessing all the time. How about you? It doesn't come naturally, does it? It really doesn't. It's, 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 it's not only sometimes hard work because we don't feel like saying something nice, we feel like saying something rotten. And sometimes we just don't even think about it. And we have so many phrases, so many expressions that we've adopted from the world that are negative negative. And we say them all the time without even thinking about it. And when we speak, because we're created in God's image, our words have power. And so sometimes the very things that we're walking out in our lives are a result of what we've spoken and called into being. And we don't realize it. And many times, the situations that frustrate us the most, rather than us being a blessing in that situation to bring God's kingdom, we're actually adding fuel to the fire and making the fire hotter because we're speaking curses into it and being negative about it, and, and, and we don't realize it. And so we have to be intentional <laughs> about being... St- Speaking blessings and speaking peace and not being negative. You can hear people all the time saying, oh, that makes me sick. Well, you might be upset about it, but please don't say that. <laughs> Why do you want to be sick? Why are you calling sickness on yourself? And we, we do, it's amazing when you finally get keyed into it, when you begin to recognize those things that we say, you realize how often we say things that are negative. or we're actually giving the enemy permission to do those things to us because we've spoken it out. Words have power. Words have power. And we need to stop being influenced by the world's system and by the world's ways and by the world's cliches and by the world's systemology, we really need to be people of the kingdom. We need to get our our thoughts and our minds in alignment with the kingdom of God. The Jews have a... The Jewish people have a, a... a habit when they greet each other to say Shalom and when they depart, say Shalom. And sometimes we wonder why the Jewish people are so blessed in all that they do because they bless each other all the time. I think that's part of the reason. They're God's chosen people, but I think that they've got something somewhere where they bless one another blessings are a part of their culture when they do bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs they there's a uh, there's a tradition of blessing and speaking blessing and so we need to get we need to get into that kind of mindset more and more and speak peace sometimes in scripture many times in scripture there's We can read verses, and it would seem that what is about to be shared is incredibly important, and there should be some kind of a trumpet salute or something like, wouldn't that be great if you're reading along in Scripture and all of a sudden, you're about to read something really important. Wouldn't that be great? Oh, I better pay attention to this. What? What is it? But you know the Bible is loaded with those kind of things. It really is, and we just kind of breeze through it, and we miss the trumpet fanfare and the good things that God puts in there. And this is one of those things. I mean, I mean, you could find them in every page of the Bible. But I really believe that this is like, this is like Handel's Messiah speaking peace and blessing, like Hallelujah. You know, one of those um, flash mobs in the mall when they start singing, handles Messiah. Like, every time you get to this where it talks about speaking peace. Important, 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 important. Our words are important. And I believe that if we really grasp the value and the power of our words. If you grasp the power of your words. Why do your words have power? First of all because you're created in God's image. He spoke and the worlds were created. We don't create worlds, but we create an atmosphere by our words. The second thing is that if you've trusted Christ as your savior, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And it's not just you speaking anymore. The power of the Holy Spirit is behind the words that you speak. Well, how much power is that? A lot. Infinite. 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 So scripture says, does fresh water and bitter water come out of the same spring? Well, it shouldn't. But it does, doesn't it? So let's 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 get serious about our words. And let's become in people who intentionally intentionally bless. So I just wrote a I'm just going to read this. I wrote this down and so I'm just going to it's kind of a prayer. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name, and we confess that we too often are negative with our words. We have cursed those around us and ourselves. We repent and confess that we have used our tongues in destructive ways. We desire to bless as you bless. Impart to us a new understanding of the power of our words. Right now, Lord, impart to us a new understanding of the power of our words. And Lord, as, I'm, as we walk in this, Lord, would you give even more power to our words as we bless. We choose this day to be life givers by seeing the best in others. And by our words, call forth the inherent treasure in others that you have hidden in them when you created them. In Jesus' name.